Here we go, College Football Payoff Podcast. We are in week 11, so that's episode 12 of the season. Episode 49 total. Ooh, next week's a milestone. We're going to have to go big next week. We are going to have to go big next week. Uh, I'm Dan. That's big country. Back again this week. Um, I've had a little rough spell going here, but still positive. I went 1-2 and two last week, 21-17 and 17 overall, 55%. Uh, Big Country keeps his winning ways. He's two and one, nineteen and fourteen overall, fifty-seven percent on the season. So that brings our podcast total to a forty and thirty-one record, which is fifty-six percent. Right, sharp. Very Not good. too many podcasts just tell you what the record is right off the bat. So no, we got to let them know. You know. I don't All care right. if you play or fade. Just right. listen. And it's you know, you take the past few weeks as I've had kind of a. A little bit of a slump, so you could start fading my picks a little bit maybe, but I'd say I'd roll with yours. Uh, my brother didn't give me his picks this week, so I can't give him a shout-out like I promised I would, but that's on him. He's got he's to do better. Do better, William. All right, uh, quick recap of last week just around college football. Um, you had the Tennessee-Georgia game, which I think that went, I don't know, I didn't think Tennessee really stood a shot against Georgia. I'd like to believe they did, but just seeing how much public money was on Tennessee, um, it just wasn't going to happen. Yep. And then the other big one was Bama losing to LSU. You know, Brian Kelly, as much as I make fun, like, don't really like him, he does have some balls. That two point conversion play at the end. That that was the right call. You it had was the right there. call, but geez, the play call, I'm saying, to oh, throw yeah, a pass. That was, that was tight to a freshman, too. Yes. That was, but that, that was a hell, hell of a game. game. Jinx. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I figured uh, Georgia was going to cover pretty easy last week. I had a, I got a buddy who works uh, behind the sports book down at Barstool Sportsbook in Washington. He told me he did not take um, a single bet on Georgia all week until right before kickoff. So mm-hmm. he, he figured that Georgia was going to cover pretty easily. And even with the ass kicking that Georgia gave Tennessee, Tennessee still had that opportunity to backdoor cover at the end there. Yeah. So uh, I mean, just that's that's what, how the dice fall or how the dice roll in uh in this this gambling world that we live in. That's true. And then uh, you're you're actually a Heisman your Heisman card that you have going for Caleb Williams. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Stroud definitely. Stroud and Hooker both had bad weeks last week, but when they uh, you know, it's it's set up for Blake Corum to steal it from Michigan if he if he wants it, especially if he goes off against Ohio State later this year uh, when the national eyes are on him. But, uh, you know, they ESPN always has these Twitter polls of, like, who you think is going to win the Heisman, and they took Caleb Williams off this week and replaced him with Bo Nix. So, I don't know. The Heisman just goes to whatever uh, narrative building network wants to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, ESPN just will highlight whoever they want. They're, they're not going to give it to Williams this year. I was I was going off of the fact that Stroud had a terrible game. Well, it was tough because it was forty mile an hour wins, but he yeah. still looked bad. And then uh, Hendon Hooker too. So well, then I also saw a uh, a stat comparison today between Drake May and C.J. Stroud. And after looking at the stat comparison, there's absolutely no reason that Drake May shouldn't be considered for the Heisman this year. I mean, he is. Okay. He is playing out of his mind. He's got, I think, a couple more touchdown passes than Stroud, and then he's got five rushing touchdowns also. Yeah. 
Like, dude's dude's pretty solid. I mean, he just plays for a terrible team. That's true. Actually, I think they're eight and one, but they're still fraudulent. <laughs> they're, they're in the ACC. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, basically headlines going in. Now we're getting down, like we said, we're getting closer and closer to the conference championship games. So, um, and especially up north here, you're starting to get the the weather games, which the weather affected. Uh, my Ohio State pick last week, even though Ohio State, they didn't look good at all against Northwestern. Northwestern is one of the worst teams in the country. They looked bad, but if you were watching that game pregame, uh, the wind was blowing kicks back. Like, their kicks were going yeah. backwards. It was very tough to throw, and if I would have known that going in, like, the under was a lock, I wouldn't have taken the points with Ohio State, and mainly because now they're keying on the running game, and Stroud can't run. He, I think he's scared to run. So that was a loss for me. I also lost the Illinois minus 16 and a half against Michigan State. I completely was on the wrong side of that. But they'd get help from Michigan minus 25 and a half. Won that game. Uh, what were your picks last week? Uh, yeah, my uh, went two and one. My two wins were the USC Cal over 16 and a half. That one was really never a doubt. And then the UCLA minus 10 and a half. Uh, they that looked like a cover pretty much all the way through, but they just couldn't get Arizona State off their backs. Um, still got it done in the end. Then the the loss came with Oregon Colorado over sixty one and a half. I had uh, they they end, ended at fifty nine. That's like the two out of the last three weeks we've we've lost overs on less than a field goal. So that, that's tough, but it's a new week. You're trending up right there. All right. Oh, let's go then. You got three this week. I got three this week. I'm ready to go. You want to start or do you want me to? I'll, I'll start off this week. All right, let's hear it. Um, I'm first pick of the week, SEC game, very situational play. Uh, these are two teams that are down already this week, and uh, or two teams are down in their schedules. And, uh, man, I, I wish we would rec- recorded this pod earlier today because we already lost two points of line value. Uh, we're looking at the LSU-Arkansas game. Purely a, a letdown spot for LSU, um, coming off the huge win. Everybody saw him win last week in overtime on the two point conversion. This is a perfect uh, situation for, from a betting perspective, for them to start slow, uh, for them to come out slow and just not move the ball up and down the field like they they have the last few games. And I think that'll benefit us pretty well because this is a pretty big rivalry game. The LSU Arkansas have been rivals for a while, even though it's more of those under the radar SEC rivalries. Uh, they do hate each other, so to me, this seems like a pretty slow, slow game all around. Um, on top of that, Arkansas is coming off just a terrible loss last week. Uh, they went into Liberty, got their ass beat, or they Liberty came to Arkansas and left with the win. I mean, this is a Liberty team without Malik Willis uh, from last year. I mean, twenty-one nineteen—that's just unacceptable. Watched KJ Jefferson last week. He looked like he wasn't even there, like he didn't even care what was going on. I mean, he kind of seemed not invested in the game whatsoever. I don't know if he was looking ahead or if he was just underestimating what Liberty had on their on their defense, but, I mean, just did not look like a great game out of him. Um, and on top of that, Arkansas's – I know this doesn't help us, but, you know, Arkansas's defense isn't too well. But I don't think that'll be too much of a problem just because I think LSU is finally feeling himself for the first time. Um, 
Now, if I was looking at a side here, I do think this is going to be an LSU minus three play, but it seems a little too public for me. So just with it being an, um, uh, a uh, rivalry game, with it being a letdown spot for both teams, whether it's like a, a high to a low or a low to an even lower low for Arkansas, um, I just think this is a slow-paced game. I think the clock's going to run a lot, and I think anything in the 60s is too high. I'd much rather give you the under 64 I took earlier today, uh, but at the time of recording this podcast, it's it's now at under 62. So we're, we're still going to roll with it, even though it went through that key number of 63. Um, so that's, that's all I got for pick number one. All right. Nice. Very well educated there. Um, okay. Yeah, I like it. I'll go on to my game here. So, uh, it's the third straight week doing something with Ohio State. Uh, I feel like this week's game against Indiana, the the spread is 40-and-a-half. I think I'm going to stay away from spreads with Ohio State. I think they've been like 0-for-4 in the last four spread games. But what I'm looking at with this one here, um, because there's not going to be 40-mile-an-hour wins, the game's going to be in the horseshoe, I'm going to – Go with the team total for Ohio State, and that's 48 and a half, and I'm taking over in that. Uh, no, it's no real, I wouldn't even say it's a surprise. It's, it's no secret that that Stroud had some doubt. He had doubters last week um, because he only put up, like, what, 79 passing yards, 76 rushing yards. So this week, and that was against a team that was pretty – Northwestern team is very bad. Their defense is very bad. And he did he underperformed. Granted, it is 40, 40 mile an hour wins. But if you're a Heisman hopeful and leading one of the best offenses in the country, I think you should be a little bit better than less than 100 yards passing in that game. And I also think that comes from coaching. Uh, they are calling deep passes instead of your short routes cross middle of the field, short bubble screens to your wide receivers, letting them make plays. I think this week, Day is going to want to kind of bolster up Stroud's, Stroud's stats, try to get him back into this, and they're going to try to put on points because right now Michigan's creeping up on them in those standings. Uh, I know two and three really don't mean anything, but being a two-seed kind of separating yourself from that three seed when they are in your conference could be big when you face them at the end of the year you know it kind of if you if you end up losing that game then there's still a shot if you get to play somewhere else so I think this game is going to be Ohio State coming out first half just trying to absolutely destroy this game uh, blow it open quick try to score as many points as quickly as we can the defense is actually stepping up big time this year but with Indiana, I don't. Indiana's maybe a little worse. They're better than Northwestern, but I'd say a little worse, um, statistically speaking, with with moving the ball and being able to pass the ball. Ohio State's uh, weakness on defense would be their secondary, I would say. And Indiana just doesn't have the quarterback or the receiving core to attack that defensive backfield. Uh, Again, the spread's at 40-and-a-half. I don't think Day will keep his starters on the field long enough to get 40-and-a-half if he does, right? Let's say 
they do go up. Then he puts in the second string. I can still see Indiana scoring a touchdown or two and kind of flirting with that line. But I can see them scoring easily 40-something in the first half of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they, you know, if they come out, score 40, you know, 35, 35 or more in the first half, then you only need a couple touchdowns there. I think the team total over is big. Uh, I think the wide receivers for Ohio State have a big week this week. And with Indiana's defense being 116th uh, against the pass this year, I think, you know, nicer nicer conditions down in Columbus for this game. Uh, Stroud has a day. Marvin Harrison Jr. has a day. Cade Stover has a day. And they just, you know, they're up near 50, maybe 60 points against Indiana. So Smith and Jigma ever coming back? I don't think he will. Okay. Uh, he, you know, he tried to come back. What a waste of a Heisman ticket that yep. was for me. Yeah, and I think right now he's thinking more or less along the lines of his professional career. So, yeah. but again, Smith and Jigba, you lose Smith and Jigba, and you still have three five-star recruits yeah. at wide receiver. So, team total: Ohio State over forty-eight and a half. That's the play in this. I like one. that one. Switching it up a little bit. Yep. Got got to change the juju a bit. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm also going to go to a Big Ten game. <clears throat> and this one's going to be a dogfight of two four and five teams. Uh, Scar- uh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and Michigan State here. Um, first thing I saw when I started handicapping this game is the stretch of games that Michigan State has been on. Um, they have gone two over two over the last four games, but, man, they've taken an ass beating in um, the physicality of defense they've played. Uh, four weeks ago, or four games ago, they played Ohio State, lost pretty good defense over Ohio State, um, then went on to Wisconsin, won in double overtime. Wisconsin's got a great defense. Two weeks ago, played Michigan, pretty solid defense, and then last week played Illinois, pretty solid defense. So now they're playing Rutgers, who defensively is ranked 18th in the country in total yards allowed. Pretty solid defense and pretty slow pace of of play from this Rutgers uh, team in general. So this Michigan State's offense is going to be on the field a lot, but I don't know if they're going to score too much. Um, and I do think Rutgers is going to be able to slow them down and keep this game close. For me, the spread is, well, here's another reason why we wanted to record earlier in the day is that earlier today this line was uh, Rutgers plus 10. It's down to Rutgers plus 9.5. That is a pretty significant half point, but I'm still rocking with Rutgers plus nine and a half. Um, this this is a team a, a game of fourth both that matters immensely for both teams when it comes to bowl eligibility. The three games left on Rutgers' schedule are uh, Michigan State, Penn State, and Maryland. Uh, Rutgers has a chance of beating Michigan State and Maryland. Um, probably not Penn State. So with four wins, and you got to get to six for bowl eligibility, they know how significant and how much they need to beat Michigan State here. And the same thing goes for Michigan State. Their last three games are Rutgers, Indiana, and Penn State. So um, Michigan State should be able to hold Indiana. I'm assuming they'll lose to Penn State, so they know that they got to beat Rutgers here. So in a game like this, I just think the spread is too big, especially if you can find it at uh, plus 10 anywhere still. Um Greg Schiano and that defense run a very tight ship. Uh, Rutgers defense is only allowing 
Um, wait, hold up. Just left my screen here. Rutgers defense is only allowing 310 yards per game this year. I mean, that's against a pretty healthy Big uh, Big Ten schedule with a lot of talent. They've already played uh, Ohio State and Michigan, so both those games are, are accounted for in those average yard totals. And on top of that, they hung pretty well with, Mich- with Michigan last mm-hmm. week for like two and a half, three quarters. Yep. So, I mean, this Rutgers defense is, is definitely a, a bend-don't-break style. But like I said, I, I don't have too much faith in Peyton Thorne leading this uh, Michigan offense Michigan State offense to to be able to like pull out to any significant lead against Rutgers, so I expect a slow paced game, and I, I expect Rutgers to be able to cover here in a dogfight for bowl eligibility. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Rutgers is man; they're they're one of those teams in the Big Ten that every week it's they hung with Ohio State for a little bit no, before, no, they before did. that game got blown up and they made but, it yeah well, they made the game against Michigan kind of you sweated that one out a little bit too but yeah no they're they're always and they always have trick plays and I feel like against Michigan State right now who's just like undisciplined they, oh. they, they might be able to get a couple trick plays off now Michigan State did beat Illinois last week which was a great win for the program so Additionally, this might be a little bit of a letdown spot. They might be feeling themselves. You yeah. know, had a nice little bounce back it's after good. all the criticism at, with the thuggery after the uh, the Michigan game. So, uh, yeah, just another point to support my position on Rutgers. Yep, that's a good point. All right, nice. Okay, my second game, we are going with TCU Texas. Now, this is the college game day game. Uh, college game day will be in Texas. And it's also a 7.30 kickoff, so it's prime time on ABC. TCU 9-0, and Texas 6-3. and TCU is that fourth team in the college football playoff right now. And in this game, they are seven-point underdogs. So Texas favored by seven. The over-under, 64.5. Um, I, I feel like this is kind of a slap in the face. I'm not saying TCU comes out and destroys them. I'm not even saying TCU wins the game, but... I don't think they lose by more than seven points here. Uh, I think this game stays close. Uh, but the big, big things for me are TCU's scoring 43 points a game. So you could kind of look towards the over there. But Max Duggan has been phenomenal this year. Uh, they're the third-ranked scoring team in the country. He's thrown for 2,400 yards, 24 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Now he gets to go up against a Texas team that is 101st in passing yards. They're giving up just over 250 yards through the air uh, each game. So Max Duggan, it's, he's 2-1 and one against Texas. This is his fourth start against Texas. Uh, he's fourth in pass efficiency. And he's completed in so in the stretch where he's won four straight against ranked opponents. So t- Texas is ranked 16th. In those four straight ranked opponent wins, he's 65% completion rate. Uh, And Texas allows quarterbacks to complete about 65%. So I think he has a good game. Um, And he's also uh, 69.4% in three starts against Texas. So he's going to be accurate. Now we turn to the running backs, and Big 12 has two 1,000-yard rushers. Both are in this game. TCU's Kendra Miller. Uh, just over a thousand yards, twelve touchdowns. He's averaging six six a carry, um, and he's going up against John Robinson, who is probably one of the better 
running backs, one of the veteran running backs in college football. He's 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns. He's averaging 5.9 a carry. So I think the run game will kind of even itself out there. Uh, You also have Quinn Ewers on the other side. Uh, He's national game. He's starting to get better. But uh, for this one, I just think TCU comes out and uh, they – they throw the ball well against Texas. Texas may win this game, right? I'm not saying that TCU is going to blow them out, but I can see TCU keeping it close and pulling out a victory late. Uh, TCU is also plus seven on the turnover margin. So any game that's close like this, turnovers are going to be the big factor. TCU plus seven, Texas plus one, but Texas is going up against a quarterback who does not turn the ball over. Um, I think TCU has a great day. I think they come out, they showcase themselves, they say, hey, we're, we're number four, we should be number four, we're not going to let anyone take that from us, and they keep themselves right there. Uh, but TCU plus seven, give me seven points, I'll take that all day with this TCU and Max Duggan. Yeah, I, I'm i going to maybe sit on and wait for a seven and a half, something a little higher, um, just because I think the public might come in on Texas later this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're listening, maybe, maybe be on the lookout for that, but... It's tough. I um, it's a tough, tough handicap because Gary Patterson, longtime legendary head coach at TCU, is an analyst for Texas, so he he does this roster pretty well. Um, and but TCU has been due for a loss, but they've held on pretty strong against quality Big Twelve opponents. And I'd like to see him make it to the playoff. So I mean, I'm I'm rooting for you here. And they're also three and zero in one score games, and they came back from eleven points down to beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, they're, they're down at halftime and always find a way to win. They so always th- come th- back. The good thing about a TCU bet is you're never out of it. Right. So, again, this isn't going to be a blowout. It's going to be close. Yeah. I, I, I feel good about that one. So, but, All right. Um, for my final pick, I'm going to go to an American League con- or all – what is AAC? Athlete, American Athletic Conference game yep. here. Yep. Um, and let me just start this off by saying – Houston and SMU had the all-time one high-scoring game last week. <laughs> and then to, for Vegas to come back with a line for the total that's only at 56.5, I don't know if they're trying to set me up for failure, but <laughs> I don't know. Houston is 8-1 and one to the over in their games this year. So if I see a Houston game with an over that's less than 60 or a total that's less than 60, I'm going to take that 10 times out of 10. Uh, we're going to go Houston Temple over 56.5. Uh, everybody saw the game last week. Uh, Houston's defense couldn't stop any – I mean, they couldn't stop. I mean, I don't even – I'm trying to think of something clever to say, but they, they just couldn't stop Tanner Mordecai and SMU whatsoever. Nothing. I mean, they – the SMU did whatever they wanted that whole game. But the good thing is Houston's offense kind of did too. Uh, Clayton Toon, their quarterback, he's had a pretty solid year. He's got 2,700 yards through the air, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And um, so here, I know Houston's liable to go for 50-plus in a game themselves, especially against a terrible team that's uh, Temple. Um, when Temple, the last game they played against an offense similar to Houston's, which would be uh, early, yeah, October 13th when they played UCF. Um, two similar offenses, UCF and Houston, run a very similar scheme. Uh, UCF put up 70 points on them. So I am saying that 
if Houston doesn't have this huge offense, at least doesn't have this huge hangover from running all up and down the field last week against SMU, I think they're liable to maybe get us really close to this total themselves. So all I really need is Temple to get me like a touchdown or two and we get over here. And I feel pretty uh, confident with that. Um, Great quarterback, Kurt Warner. Um, His son, EJ, is the starting Mm -hmm. quarterback for Temple this year. And last week he he went off. He finally had like a come-to-Jesus moment where he had his best game of the season. He threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns. And if we look at his stats uh, throughout the year, he's he's actually had pretty solid games, um, even though they – his defense has let him down. They have a terrible record. He does have the capability to um, to put points up on the board. Mm-hmm. And if not, it doesn't matter if he, he throws us some picks because uh, short field turnovers could help Houston score quick, and we can get over this 56.5 pretty quickly. Um, before last week when they had their blowout win, um, the three games previous – he threw for 43 he had 43 pass attempts 48 pass attempts and then 48 again right 43 48 48 is what he went so i mean this temple team is not scared to throw the ball so i think they're either they're going to be able to get chunk plays put at least enough points up on the board for us to to get us over this total and with houston already being eight and one to the over this year i I just feel pretty confident about this one so houston temple over 56 and a half yeah, I'd feel confident with a over with Houston or SMU. I was watching the uh, that USC game late, and they were coming through with the showing the highlights of that game. I'm like, geez, yeah. that's a betting dream. You know, you you had the over. You're just sitting pretty in that one. But no, that's fun to watch, man, and I like it. I like uh, like Houston's offense. All right, final game: Washington against Oregon. Uh, Right now, the spread is 13.5 in favor of the Ducks, and the total is at 64.5. So I bring up the total because we have two teams here. Oregon scored 41 or more points in eight straight games, and they are, where is it? Give me a second. Let me scroll up and find it. All right, I'm not going to be able to find it, but they're scoring like 43. There it is, 43 points a game, so they're tied for third in the nation. Now they're playing a team, Washington, who Michael Penix Jr. transfers over from Indiana. He's having a phenomenal year. Yeah. Washington throws the ball very well. He has over 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, just five interceptions. He's got a 152.8 passer rating. Um, Washington leads the country in first downs, bypass, they – they convert first downs with the pass about 18 times a game. So Washington can throw the ball. They're a very good offensive-minded passing team. However, their running game, not so much. So that makes them a one-sided team. This says that they'll, they'll put up points, okay? So that's why I bring up the over because I think they can get 24 points in this game. Uh, I think Oregon keeps scoring their 40-something points, so the over's in play. But for me, I'm going to take the Ducks minus 13.5 because Bo Nix is I, – I didn't like Bo Nix uh, when he was with Auburn. No. He 
has won the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week three three weeks in a row now. Um, and his offense, their offense, is having a lot of fun. So last week he had, uh, where was it? He had two touchdowns and then three other non-passing touchdowns. Um, Oregon also put in what they call gadget plays. They didn't call them trick plays because they practice them so much and they run them to perfection in practice, so you can't really call it a trick. Yeah. But they had halfback pass, a pass to a lineman, uh, things like that. So Dan Lanning, uh, head coach for Oregon, says, you know, when when a team's complete offensively and then you throw in these little plays right before a week when you're playing a another opponent, it just adds another wrinkle into your offense. It's very tough to prepare for that. Um, he doesn't. He's, he says stats are for losers. He doesn't care about that. He just wants to win. I think their their offense is having a lot of fun here. Um, and Oregon is giving up twenty six points a game. That could be kind of you know tiding into my over. But I'm sticking with the the spread here. Uh, like I said, Oregon forty one or more points in eight straight games. It's just tough to get, bet against their offense. Uh, They've allowed one sack this season, and they've also been able to run the ball whenever they want, 5.8 yards per carry. Washington's run defense has done fantastic, but uh, Oregon's offensive line is too big for Washington. Uh, Huskies are going to be able to pass the ball, but, again, they're one-dimensional. So Washington's going to be able – they're going to struggle to keep up the pace. Oregon's 5-0 and against the spread in the last five games, 4-1 and and against the spread in its previous five games in November, and then uh, Washington 0-5 against the spread in their last five games, 1-8 against the spread in their last nine on the road, and 2-14-1 against the spread in the last 17 meetings with Oregon. I think Bo Nix has another fantastic day, um, and I think that because Washington can't run the ball, I think Oregon comes out and they win this easily. It's two touchdowns, so... Yeah, Caleb, like Caleb DeBoer and Washington's kind of fell off ever since they they had they had a little bit of a hype hype train earlier this year, and since mm-hmm. then they've been underperforming. So I I like where you're going with that. Yep. All right. That's it. Yeah, you don't have anything else, do you? No, I uh, we're actually running out of time this season. I yes, mean, we are. Damn, we're uh, already at week eleven. We got week twelve next week. Week thirteen is rivalry week. Then after that, we got the conference championships. So. Uh, our uh, our volume betting on on Saturday is going to go down significantly towards the end of this month, mm-hmm. and week fifteen Army Navy, which we're not doing an episode for, just take the under. <laughs> um, we'll tell you we that right now. So man, I I love this time of the year. It just sucks how fast it goes by. Yep. Um. But yeah, well, let's cash these tickets this week. Yeah, we're building the momentum, uh, building it up until conference championships, and then you know we have our big bowl season and. And right now we're feeling good, man. The mojo's high. Uh, yes, yeah, tough week, but I. If we come out of this week positive, yeah. I say then we're in very, very yeah, good I shape. Yeah, I feel we're good moving yeah. forward. All right, uh, summarize your picks real quick for All me. All right, Big Country Week Eleven College Football Slate for the pod is LSU Arkansas under sixty two. It is Houston Temple over fifty six and a half, and it is Rutgers plus nine and a half. And then my card, I got Ohio State team total over 48.5, TCU plus 7 against Texas, and then Oregon minus 13.5 against Washington, and also look out for the over in that game. And that's it. Uh, Next week is our 50th episode, too. 
So hopefully we can get good through this week. I'll maybe have a couple bonus picks next week. We'll we might we'll see. Yeah, if, we got to do something. See what the board tells us. Got to do something. But so, in order for that to happen, we need people to like, subscribe, comment, share, rate, review, all that all stuff. That. Share uh, most of all. Why don't you go ahead and throw out the socials for everyone while yeah. I pull up our random college football player? Find Dan at dposk13. Find me uh, at Big Country Bets and find the pod at CFP underscore pod. Yep, and we're wherever you can listen to podcasts, we are there. Um, and this week, we're talking about Dan McGuire. He was a six foot eight quarterback. Played two years at Iowa. Transferred to San Diego State. Put up fantastic numbers. Seahawks drafted him 16th overall in 91, ahead of Brett Favre. Thought, oh, big guy, college, he's going to have a great year. Nah, he struggled and was out after two years. So, Dan McGuire. But he, he didn't steal any welfare money, did he? Did not, did not steal any, so he's Compared got one up on Favre. Okay, just wondering. <laughs> Dan McGuire. All right. You got anything else? Uh, I'm good. Cool, man. All right. That's Big Country. I'm Dan. We will see you next week for episode 50.